do you ever have those times when you show up to the gym or to work or to a conversation and you realize you are outgunned and you're out of your league? <laughs> I feel like that's what happened today when we talked to Josh and Christy Straub. Josh has his PhD and Christy has a master's, multiple master's degrees. Uh, Selena loves this part. She's from Canada. <laughs> she, she needs, she, she's got her dual citizenship. Anyway, we had just an amazing time talking with them where we learned a ton. We learned about uh, fight, flight, or freeze response. Mm. We also learned about, uh, what was it? Hungry, angry, lonely, tired, and bored. These are usually times when we make emotionally poor decisions or turn to, our to idols. idols. Yes. Um, we also talked about how to be emotionally safe when dealing with trauma or recovering from a trauma. We talked about how some couples will have a pornography bomb dropped in their mm. in their marriage where a husband or a wife will confess to having an addiction or there might even be an infidelity or some other sort of relational trauma yeah. that will cause uh, it to not feel emotionally safe. So needless to say, we had an, a really elucidating conversation with them. We learned a ton. We trust that you'll enjoy it and we hope it blesses you. Without further ado, here's Dr. Josh and Christy Straub. so excited to have Dr. Josh and Christy Straub on our podcast today on the Fierce Marriage Podcast. Josh and Christy, how are you guys doing? We're so good. Thanks guys for having us on. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time. This is going to be a fun conversation. How did you guys meet and tell us a little bit about what you spend your time doing and uh, why you're the, the professionals that we're talking to? today professionals that's not really a word we love um <laughs> we're just we're just parents we're just a couple we're uh we met actually in grad school um we're both counselors by trade and education but we were both josh was working on his uh doctorate and i was working on my master's at uh, liberty university i don't know if you know that in virginia and i had come down to the states for for that, and uh, we have we didn't really have anything for like Christian counseling back home. So, yeah, we met. I Josh was the guy who everyone sort of touted as like the most eligible bachelor at Liberty at the time, <laughs> and uh, and he would travel and like speak about relationships. And I just I just knew like he must be incredibly arrogant in order to do that. And all the girls loved him, and so I wanted nothing to do with him. I'm the like girl who's like, if that's in and cool, I'm like, yep, not interested at all. Um, but we met one late, late in the counseling office and he like waited and held the door for me. And I remember we stood out like outside of the building. Like <laughs> I just, rem I remember to this day, like I remember it like it was yesterday and I remember being like, shoot. You are not arrogant like I thought you were. Fact, you opened I the really door like for me. You. <laughs> yeah, like he was so genuine. And you know when you just like, it was like the first time I'd had a conversation in the, I think I'd been there a year and a half, maybe even two years at that point. And then I was like, I get you. Like I get you so much. And you, like, I just felt like this, even what? In fact, what? she asked me out on a date oh that gosh, first night. That is not true. That is not true. That's some reverse That's psychology lie. right there, my man. She was totally asking me out. No. She was going to a Christmas play. It was in December. And she asked me to go along with her that night. Okay. So it was like all of us, like collective counseling students were all going. And so I was like, do you want to join us? It wasn't like a date. Okay. Mm. So this is where he twists things, but um yeah I was I was actually really impressed with him and uh and then he ended up I went back actually to Canada for 
a month for Christmas and he, he met or well, he, we used the, you know, 21st century way of starting relationships. It was called Facebook. Right. And he <laughs> Facebook stalked me and we started, <laughs> we started conversing back and forth and that. So that's really how we met. Nice. Yeah. So, so how long you guys been I'd together like then? Uh, we'll be married nine years this year. So nice. we, uh, awesome. we actually have a, an interesting marriage because we got married uh, because of Christy being Canadian and having immigration and stuff. We have two different wedding dates. We have our legal wedding date <laughs> and we have our wedding date before the Lord, which is the one that we actually honor. Um, sure. Anyway, it's a very long story, very similar to the movie, The Proposal. Sure. And, green card uh, marriage. That's I get awesome. it. It's a green that's card it. Marriage. Yeah. 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 I love that movie. Yeah. So, <laughs> so awesome. yeah. So today we, um, we actually take on our love of uh, things we love to do for fun is we both kind of grew up on the water. And so we, um, we have a, a Christie's boat that she grew up on 1974 Crestliner that we oh, love nice. to take out with our kids and just create memories in the summertime. So it's bright orange. We call her big orange. She's, she's nice. awesome. Wait, but where do you yeah. do that? Because you live in Nashville. So, I mean, are there just lakes? Is that or There rivers? are. There's not like lakes like I'm used to back home. But yes, we have like Percy Priest Lake. You probably actually see it when you fly into Nashville. Yeah. It's yeah. the big one you fly over. But we have a few within a couple hours. It's not. Nice. It's not. I wouldn't. This isn't. Again, I grew up on the lake. So this isn't maybe ideal boating country, but we won't find it wherever we can get it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you guys spend your days now um, kind of working together, as I understand it, and namely around families and marriage. And Josh, I know that you spend a lot of time kind of traveling. You were doing some travel with uh, like uh, military um, uh, chaplains and stuff. Were, were you doing that for a time as well, talking to military families? Yeah, I still do. In fact, I'll be there this weekend. Um, okay. Fort Bragg. And uh, yeah, been out your way at Joint Base Lewis McCord and yeah. working with Joint Special Operations Command um, okay. on the area of emotional intelligence and emotional safety and mm. um, really mm -hmm. doing marriage retreats and, and, and parenting seminars and, and just encouraging them. Uh, primarily because it's interesting when I first started speaking on emotional safety to Joint Special Operations Command, I was very nervous because I also had to pull out my scripture. So it was like, I'm, I'm only talking about the research, um, right. but it resonated with them so much because the very thing that they're trained to turn off to survive on the battlefield is the very thing they need to turn back on to survive at home. Mm. So th th what I love about working with military is these guys just want to get better all the time in everything they do, whether that's physical, whether it's, you know, you know, their physical training or it's cutting literally milliseconds um, I was with a Marine special ops this past weekend and he told me, he said, those milliseconds, we train every day to cut milliseconds off of jump times because those milliseconds literally mean life and death. Mm -hmm. And so, but they also are so passionate about, they don't want to just get better in that area. They do want to get better in the mm -hmm. emotional and spiritual aspect of who they are. And so they, they just inspire me in that way uh, because it challenges me to want to get better in those areas mm -hmm. as well, especially with what we do, you know. That's awesome. Let's actually, let's press into that a little bit because that term emotional safety, um, I, I think I get kind of what it, what you're, what you're driving at, but it's new to me. And I'd love to hear you guys kind of talk about what it means to have an emotionally safe marriage and how to grow an, an emotional intelligence as a couple. So if you're, if you're sitting with a military family or you're sitting with maybe just a couple um, that's not military, maybe just somebody you're ministering to, what would you share with that couple um, in general? 
Yeah. So basically emotional intelligence is in a very basic way. Emotional intelligence is our ability to know what we're feeling and why we're feeling that way. And then, so it's self-awareness and then also the ability to be able to understand what another person is feeling that we're in relationship with Hmm. and why they're feeling that way. And so you can see how it relates to marriage as it relates to um, understanding emotion. So for instance, uh, depending on the research you look at, whether it's John Gottman or others, um, you know, the, the, the greatest predictor of divorce is emotional disconnection. Mm, and, yeah. and, you know, we can talk about finances and all those other things, but if you're not emotionally connected, those things become difficult to talk about. And so our, we focus more on what's going on within the individuals rather than what's going on between the couples. Because if I can, as Proverbs says, uh, to guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. The way that I kind of define emotional safety in the marriage is our marital heart. When we become one flesh, guard your marital heart for it really is the wellspring of your family. Now, I know that I'm yeah, adding yeah. to the scripture there, but it really is. Um, I want to guard my wife's heart as much as I'm guarding mine because so goes our marriage. So goes our family. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. So, I, I mean, so that, no, no worries. No worries. So that's, that's, that's great. However, a lot of times we struggle with the tangible, like, how do I actually do that? So as a guy, we've had to, you know, Selena and I are going on 16 years of being married. And I feel like in just like the last two, three years, I'm just now realizing, oh, I'm a big jerk today because I actually feel something that I'm not able to articulate. And I, and I actually take the time to think through what those emotions are and to be self-aware and then go ahead and articulate those to Selena and then try to be empathetic toward her. That's where we actually start to grow closer and we actually start to make progress in whatever issues we're facing. However, I've sometimes taken way too long to get to that place because I've, I've, I feel like I've lacked the tools to get there. So do you have any sort of tangible tools that you would give a guy, a thick headed guy like me and how to be more emotionally aware, emotionally intelligent, and therefore have a uh, create more of an emotionally safe household? Yeah. So one of the things that we recommend is actually taking time after like you put the kids in bed, right? Um, instead of going to Netflix or to your computer, spend time. And for a lot of guys, it's easier rather than sitting down on the couch and like sitting with your spouse, looking at one another. One of the ways Christy and I tend to do this is we'll actually clean up the kitchen together, or mm. we will, we'll be an activity together where we're side by side. And we take 10 to 15 minutes a day. And, and I would just start there 10 to 15 minutes a day. And, and what you end up finding is that it goes beyond that because you actually get into talking about really good stuff. Mm. But if you can just set aside 15 minutes and say, we're going to talk about our day today using emotion words rather than today was great because instead we're saying, or, or, or today was great because I, I, we did a podcast interview with Ryan and Selena, or today was great because <laughs> um, the weather was beautiful outside. Instead of doing things like that, we're saying, I was excited. We're using emotion words. I was excited to talk to Ryan and Selena. I felt oh. included today in the conversation you you know i felt special when you allowed me and i'm saying you know between christy and and me like i felt special today when you had me answer that question because you knew i could i could do well with it um things like that you know i i really um i felt uh heard today 
I felt important today because you sat outside with me in the beautiful weather for 10 minutes and you just stopped what you were doing. Um, yeah. Those types of, of conversations, or I felt sad today when, I felt disappointed today when, or I felt frustrated today when. That's, yeah, um, I really love, I love hearing you say that. Just listening is very liberating for me as I think an emotional person. Sometimes I feel, I think I feel a lot of emotions. And so being able to kind of funnel those down and pinpoint, okay, this is what I felt and why I felt it, not just an observation, right? It's more of a, a, a whole like reasoning behind there's the whole why, you know, we can easily just say, yeah, it was well, a great totally. day of these things, but why, you know, why did you feel like it was a great day? You know, maybe you didn't. Cause I mean, I think we can all kind of hide under the radar and just say, mm. ah, I felt good about that because of this, but really, you know, we, maybe we didn't feel super great about that. We just don't want to deal with something else. So we'll just kind of brush over stuff. So that's, that's really tangible mm. and awesome. We should do that. Yeah, yeah we should. <laughs> yeah, we're <Well>, taking notes. <laughs> And, and the power of that, and, and what I tell guys especially is, is early on when you do this, don't use it as a blame session. I felt frustrated right. that you didn't do this today, right? Mm. Instead, stay neutral. Talk about things that frustrated you, that you, where you felt rejected, that didn't have to do with your spouse. Because even, because that's a safer way to do it early on, as opposed to, because you don't want to get into blaming. Mm. And we have ways that we train and teach people to be able to do this in a way where you're not blaming your spouse for the feeling, um, mm -hmm. but you're able to bring it out in the sense in a positive way of saying, you know what, I really want to be closer to you. I really want to be connected. And I have felt distant. And one of the reasons I have felt distant is because I feel like I've been doing a lot more around the house and you've just kind of been quiet uh, or, or whatever, you know, you're, you're, mm -hmm. you're, 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 you're using these, this language of, of, you're turning it into a positive rather than a negative. And <laughs> yeah. so what it also does is when we're so busy and we're so frantic to your point, Selena, is we don't tend to think about our own emotions. We don't tend to think about the deeper meaning behind why we feel the way we do or what happened that day. And if we can't label that, how can we expect our spouse to know where we're at? Mm. And so what it does is it's opened up for me, for, for, for the two of us, it's opened my heart to see Christy at a much deeper level to see the mystery of who she is and to learn more and more about her all the time because she's she's revealing parts of who she is and sure she's still discovering them and figuring them out but i get to be a part of that journey with her and that's a beautiful that's that's that that's one of the beauties of our marriage hmm. and i was going to say too like selena i so resonate with you and 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 I think Ryan, for all the men listening, I think this is where they can get real shut down is women do typically tend to exhibit more emotion. It doesn't mean men have, men have just as much emotion. We just put it on display more easily mm -hmm. than men do, but we're equally as confused by our emotions often as our spouses, like looking yeah. at us, like, what the heck do I do with you? <laughs> like there's tears and then you're angry and then we're depressed. And then you're like, so hopeful that like, we're going to have the best, you know, year ever in our, you know, for our marriage. And it's like, but, but if we can just like take a pause and just, I, I get that an emotion can feel heavy and hard and it, it can, um, but when we're talking about emotional safety, really at the very basic core, it's just love without fear. Mm. So then if we can just sit with our spouse, whatever the emotion that's flying out, and this is where men, I think, can take a deep breath. 
You don't need to fix it. In fact, that's not really helpful. We don't need you to suggest anything because that doesn't really help us either. We just need you to hear it, like mm. listen to it, sit with us in it. And that's where the pressure comes off. Like it's amazing. Couples that we'll work with, they're like, that's it. Like this, I literally just get to listen to her. He's like, oh, I can do that. I'm like, I know. That's the great thing. Because you need to let one another just process it. You like Selena and you, you and I, I mean, I'm a, I don't know if you're Enneagram people, but like I'm a four. So I have every emotion all the time. <laughs> it's all like right below the surface. It can come out right. anytime. And, and that's okay. And, and yet we can get real intimidated, I think by what we would typically label negative emotions, you know, anger, fear, sadness, the ones that jealousy, you know, the ones we don't really love to feel. And we can, um, but it almost becomes a very emotionally stale relationship if we're just like, I'm good, which mm. by the way, is not a feeling or an emotion. It's good. It's not a, a feeling or emotion. Yeah. Good. good. It's not a feeling. Um, <laughs> so good. happiness is, you know, joy is, but, wow. um, bravery awesome. is, but it's, it's, it's amazing how little of the emotional spectrum we actually really allow ourselves to feel, especially as adults. Mm. It's like, we've gotten really good at numbing and self-medicating and shutting down partially out of survival. And I mean, we can talk about that. That's a, that's so real, but the mm. trouble is that's when, you know, we get 10, 15, 20 years into marriage and it's like, I'm just bored. I'm just, I'm there's, you don't light my fire and it's, but actually it's almost like nothing really does anymore. What's weird. Wow. Why have we both kind of just gone numb? And this mm. is just a real gentle way to start tiptoeing into those waters again. That's so good. I've, I've found um, <laughs> what you're talking about with, in terms of agreeing, right. It's kind of letting Selena feel has allowed her mm -hmm. to uh, actually kind of step through those emotions instead of just stepping around them or just ignoring them, but actually stepping through things. We have a joke that if Selena's ever venting, like my role is just to be like her in her corner, her cheerleader, right? We'll be in the car <laughs> and she'd be like, man, I'm so frustrated by this situation. And instead of trying to fix it, I've, I've learned that lesson, I think. And instead of <laughs> my posture, my, my posture is, oh man, I totally hate them. <laughs> or like, yeah, you're totally he right. He just right? ridiculously jumps on my side, you know, just to like remind me that he's in my corner. We, we kind of joke about that. Yeah, but yeah. Of course you don't hate like somebody. like your bulldog. Like, I yeah. got you, girl. No yes. one will hurt you. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Um, and I think that all of those, those kind of negative feelings, you know, just to kind of shift gears a little bit, I feel like those really come out within like parenting, you know, God gives us children to mm. sanctify us. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and, oh my goodness, and yes. <laughs> we are constantly faced with, at least I am, I'm just, it's like you're flying by the seat of your pants every day. You know, you're just kind of like, okay, I know you as a little five-year-old and then you turn six and then something changes. Like, yes. so we get, I don't know, we can get really, you know, busy and discouraged and very fearful. I think, um, at least speaking from a, a mother's perspective and, um, and I feel like these, these words that you're saying, like leading with emotion, those emotion words and talking about what emotional safety looks like within your marriage and then how that trickles down into parenting. How can we as, you know, parents and spouses lift each other up and encourage each other when parenting just kind of feels like you're trudging through the mud and it is just so heavy. I don't know. Can you guys pick that situation apart for, for our yeah, listeners here? I mean, absolutely. And I think here's where... 
emotional safety gets really real because so typically, I mean, when we're saying love without fear, meaning that our child can come to us exhibiting whatever emotion they're feeling right now, which mm. feels really big in a little body. I mean, they feel big to us. Imagine when a child, they've never felt this before. It's all of this is new. I mean, until you like teach a child that this is the color blue, this means blue. They don't know yeah, language right. for that. They have no right. understanding. It's the same for, I mean, think about jealousy. Jealousy is such a complicated emotion. It kind of looks like mm. anger. It kind of looks like deep sadness because you don't have what they have and therefore you feel rejected. I mean, right. those are complicated emotions. And so when we watch toddlers like literally melt down, <laughs> it's because it's just, they have no box to put this in. And mm. this is where we're talking about what am I feeling? I mean, this is literally giving kids the tools and the language to understand like, what, what is this? What am I feeling? And they mm. feel it viscerally in their body. I mean, I remember when we were walking through a season with our son, um, who was just terrified to go to school. He was like sick to his stomach, crying, disobedient. I mean, it was all these things. And we're like, bud, like, but he has no language for this. He can't mm. tell us what this is. And I said, Landon, how does this feel to you? How does this feel in your body? And he said, mom, I just, I feel flippy in my tummy. And I was like, ah, that's it. But like now I know that's fear. And now I can tell you that that is fear. You're mm. afraid to go to school. That's okay. And I think where as parents, we get to take a real deep breath is truly understanding and prioritizing for our kids when it likely wasn't done for us in our homes, which we have to deal with as well, but that the whole range of emotion, that emotional health really is the ability to experience the whole range of emotion and come in and out of those emotions. Like just like fear and anger and jealousy are just as important in our lives mm. as joy and, and yeah. you know, happiness and bravery. And yet those typically labeled negative ones, when we see our kids get into those, that's where we as parents get real triggered. And it could be because, you know, like Selena, for you, like if it's um, anger, if it's anxiety, if it's mm. sadness, you know, mm. um, if we grew up in a home where maybe that emotion was punished or dismissed or um, mm. wasn't permitted at all, wasn't talked about, um, we're going to get really triggered probably by seeing those emotions in our kids. And we're going to want to do that, you know, knee jerk thing where it's like, shut it down not okay. Mm. Don't cry. Don't you yell at me. Don't you, you know, and I get that. And, and we obviously have to deal with the misbehavior or the disrespect later, but emotional safety is looking at the child in those really intense moments. Mm. And basically the message we really want to get across is your emotion is okay with me. Your disrespect Long. and, you know, the misbehavior we will deal with, that is not okay. How it came out sideways is not okay. But that emotion you're feeling, it's okay with me. You're safe. Mm. Mm. You're safe. So you guys have to set set me straight on something because this is all very, very good. Um, but what I'm hearing, and so, I mean, you, you touched on it, Christine, how we can we grow up kind of with this maybe taboos or we, we're not taught how to deal with these emotions, especially as young men, right? We've We've all heard the phrase, we know that it's wrong, but real men don't cry, right? And then I think as of late, we've kind of realized, okay, real men 
do cry, right? They cry about things that matter, things like, you know, injustice and, and, you know, um, so on and so forth. So the tendency I think is as humans do, right. The, the, the pendulum swings too far to either end. Right. And so what I'm hoping to maybe get you guys to articulate in terms of just manhood and personhood, is there a point at which this becomes kind of uh, I'll use the, I'll use the term navel gazing, right? Where we're kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum from real men don't cry all the way to like this. Now I'm just this emotional, you know, always kind of introspective, always feeling, always intense, always, you know, all these different things. Is there like a gospel center, right? Is, in other words, how have we been created by God in his image as emotional beings? And how can we as adults, I guess, display that and reflect his character in understanding and displaying our own emotions? That's so good. And, you know, I love how Solomon writes it, that patience is better than power and controlling Ooh. one's emotions than capturing a city. Mm. And the idea here isn't that you're just... Um, and I love that because I think that's exactly what we do in culture is we go from mm. one extreme to the other. Yes. And the reality is, is that if we don't experience our emotion or feel our emotion, it will creep up on us. It will, it will catch up to us in some way, somehow. Um, PTSD is a prime example of that. Uh, when right. you suppress that emotion, <clears throat> one of the ways that I describe this is I, <clears throat> I think Paul was the first neuroscientist, the apostle Paul, <laughs> and uh, the reason I say this is because one of the things that we've learned about the brain is that the fear center of the brain, which is the amygdala, it's the fight or flight response, um, or if you've been traumatized, it's flight, fight or freeze response. Hmm. And that's what happens when we're emotionally overwhelmed is we just get, we, we get emotionally overwhelmed and we can't think straight. The higher hmm. functioning parts of the brain behind the eyes are known for pro it's the prefrontal cortex known for problem solving, emotion regulation, self-control, uh, language processing, the ability to put words to what it is we're experiencing or feeling in the moment. And this is where we believe that you can only be, and Pete Scazzaro's kind of led the way in this um, uh, with emotionally uh, healthy spirituality, is um, that you can only be as spiritually mature as you are emotionally mature. So for hmm. instance, when you look at the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, self-control is the same part of the brain or self-control is that part of the brain that's calmed down when you're overwhelmed. And so let's go to Philippians four. Let's look at what the apostle Paul wrote. He said, be anxious for what? Nothing, hmm. but in everything, in supplication and prayer with thanksgiving, make your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So mm. what Paul is saying here is, listen, don't be anxious about anything because you have a heavenly father that you can trust who's looking out for you, looking out for the good of you in everything. That's why you give him thanks when you're praying to him. That's so but you're labeling what you're feeling. As you go to him in prayer, you're making your requests to him. You're labeling what you're feeling. You're talking to him. Um, about all the emotions that you have, all the overwhelmingness. Because if you don't go to him, what's going to end up happening is you're going to start going down this trail of worry and fear and start to try to do things on your own. And it's not until after he says the peace of God will keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus that he, in verse eight, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, excellent, mm. praiseworthy, anything morally excellent, think on these things. 
And I think Paul understood that when we're anxious and overwhelmed or we have emotions that we haven't labeled or taken to God, we can't think straight and Mm. we can't problem solve and we can't understand right from wrong in those moments, which is why what I love is that as a parent, we in a finite way have the ability to help our kids in their overwhelmingness, not act out of that overwhelmingness. Because remember, Solomon writes that it, you know, controlling one's emotions better than capturing a city. A feeling yeah. is just a feeling. It's not in charge of you. What you mm. do with that feeling is what matters and what's important. And that's where we turn to the word of God to go, no, this is how you act. This is what's right and wrong in how you move forward. So yeah. to us, so in a lot of ways, those emotions are a warning sign that something's mm-hmm. not right. And therefore we need to make a decision about a situation. That's so good. I love how you said just emotions are just emotions, right? They don't have to be in control. And I think a friend of mine told me when they were in counseling, their counselor told them emotions are not God, right? They're indicators. They show us a lot. And I love that you said from that point, they we turn to scripture, we turn to God. So it's emotions really help us gauge ourselves. They gauge where we are. And then we can look to God's word. And I love that God's word answers all of this, right? It's not outside of his word. He can't talk. He, his word talks to us emotionally, physically, spiritually, all the levels. So good. So you're going to say something, right? Yeah. Well, I was just, so this, this gives me pause, right? I don't know if we're going too far off the scripture, but I'm just going to roll with it because (laughs) I love what you guys are saying. And the one thing that I, I question, the one thing I wonder about is not what you're saying, but is it accessible to everyone, right? Because it feels like you kind of have to have a certain level of like maturity of intellect to be able to actually, you know, maybe read some of these resources or to ask the right questions or to even be aware to a point. So have you found that there's, I mean, I don't even know what I'm going to ask, but is this something (laughs) that is accessible to, to all, or would you say that there, I mean, and if, if it is, how is it accessible to all? Say, Say you've got a couple um, that's a really struggling with this and they can't seem to, you know, even get their life together, let alone get their emotional uh, state of affairs into a good place. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are some really yeah. tangible tools that you recommend a couple that maybe can't afford counseling or doesn't have a good, um, uh, you know, a, a Christian a voice in their ear, somebody who can help help them process through these things? How do you minister to that couple? Right. I want you to know what's going on, what you can't see. We're like fighting over the mic. I'm like, I want to answer. I want to be using like, I really want to, I want to like. You guys, everybody can talk. All right? <laughs> like, okay, we'll, we'll each take turns. Okay, Levy. Okay, okay. I'll go Come first. Come on, let's show some maturity here. Come really on. Great answer. Yeah, show okay. some emotional maturity, um, you two. Yeah, right. Um, and I think I like, we both want to pounce because it's like, that's, I think that's, what it feels like in society. Like, this is too hard. It's too heavy. This is, this must require, it's so complicated. I can't go there. And so we just keep going and we just keep numbing Mm. and self-medicating our Mm. emotions away. And I think this is why we have epidemic rates of anxiety and depression in Mm. our generation. Um, Well, I, I say absolutely. And yes, is it accessible? Yes. And I mean, we wrote this for a four, uh, kid's book, What Am I Feeling, to four to eight-year-olds. Because literally you can teach four-year-olds to eight-year-olds the very beginnings of this. And it's 
I mean, we wrote it to kids so that parents would read it because <laughs> most parents <laughs> yeah. don't have time to read a parenting book. Um, but it's the same concept and it's actually fairly basic. Um, in the very back, there's a feelings chart and a feelings chart. If you're not familiar, it's really just faces with um, an emotion with the word underneath, like what that's labeled as. So you know, fear, happiness, sadness, <laughs> um, jealousy, bravery. Um, basically what that's teaching in an adult, I mean, they, you will see that in adult, you know, adult child counseling. You will see that in when Josh used to work, he, was, he used to work at a maximum security juvenile detention center. Mm. And that would wow. literally be the first thing he would use with those teenage boys who, mm. you know, murdered, raped. I mean, horrible things where emotions have come out sideways. This is the most basic thing that they did not learn. Wow. And it's not, I mean, when we call what Josh was referring to before is our like check-in at night. We, we called it how 15 minutes saved our marriage and it it's because it's not hard. It's literally using emotion words, which is just getting below the details and the right. um, practicalities of the day into emotion. You start to connect as humans. And this is what's so profound. I mean, Josh and I have both done our own sort of, you know, deeper level work in the last little bit. I just got back from uh, one in January and but this is what's with, you know, obviously those, there was experts in charge who know what they're mm -hmm. doing with, you know, trauma or whatever. Um, but here's what I think the most profound takeaway was humans, you know, who can look each other in the eye to get real face to face and just get really honest. We will heal. We will heal with one another when we get honest with each other, especially when we allow God into the conversation. It's not that hard. You don't, I, we will advocate to, for counseling till our dying breath. And yet I understand sometimes you're in seasons where that's maybe just not practical. Um, and you just need a really safe person in your life. And I, I, the change that is possible mm. for you does not require any external um, degrees or knowledge. It mm -hmm. It's human. I, I believe the Lord has created us in a way that we, I mean, that's Adam and Eve. We put them together because we need each other in relationship alone. I don't think you can do this. I will say that. I think you need to be in relationship with other people. Okay, Josh, mm. you go. So good. So good. Uh, I'm allowed to go now. Um, <laughs> yeah. So there you go. <laughs> so I, to be very honest with you, I believe it comes down to one word, and that is love. It's the gospel. Mm. And First John 4 says that, uh, you know, in verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. Um, you can take the hardest, most um, unloved person in the world. And we, and, and, and there's, um, there's research on this. There's, oh. there's testimonies on this throughout the world. And I mean, from mother to Teresa to um, Jean Venier, who wrote a, a fabulous book called Becoming Human. Um, literally kids left orphaned, literally ki mm -hmm. with no one to love them. Mm -hmm. That when they were put in an environment where they were loved, where they were put in an environment where they were, where they just experienced God's love, not because of anything they did, but just because of who they are created yeah. in the image of God, that they began to change that love yeah. began to change them because someone actually looked mm. at them and said, it's, it's okay to feel this way. I'm going to walk alongside you. And I genuinely believe that our ability to love others, second grade, uh, that, you know, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul and love right. your neighbor as yourself. Our ability to love our neighbor as ourself, go back to first John 
we love. Why? Because he first loved us. I believe the church, even if you can't afford counseling, should be the emotionally safest place on the planet for people. Mm. It should be the place where people can plug into and feel loved Mm. and feel that sense of, I belong here. Mm. And I believe it's that sense of belonging, as Christy just mentioned, that sense of belonging is what it gets us in touch with who we are as humans. Mm. And so I would just really encourage those of you who are listening. If, if you're like, wow, like, cause as Christy mentioned earlier, the way we define emotional safety is love minus fear. You know, in the research, it says we have to be feeling that safety in ourselves. This is literally the quote from secular research says feeling that safety in ourselves and creating a sense of love without fear in our child. Mm. Well, we know the Bible uh, centuries before the research said that perfect love cast out fear. And that verse comes right before we love because he first loved us. So that ability to, to just, you know, for me, I think you asked earlier, Selena, you know, how do we champion one another as spouses, even in our parenting, you know, we get overstressed, we get overwhelmed, we get fearful. And I have to find ways where we find ways with one another, where I champion Christy. When her frustration tolerance with our kids is really at a heightened level, I'll say, you know what? You need to take the dog for a walk or you need to go work out and do your stretching or you need to go because I want to champion that in her and I want her to realize that frustration tolerance, and I'm not always good at this, but that I'm okay with that. And I want her to go back and reconnect with her, with with the Lord. If Mm. she, you know, making sure that she gets her quiet time. You know, I try to, when I'm in town, I do everything I can to get the kids ready in the morning, pack their lunches so that Christy's getting her time with the Lord. Because if she's doing that, I know that it changes who she is and how she approaches the day with me and the kids. And so we've just learned from one another how to champion one another to calm our anxiety and to um, feel loved. And so I just... I think that's the context of how you do it in marriage, but I also think the church really needs to be that place that is just safe for people. Mm, that's so good. I just over here, like, I feel like Josh has just been listening into to our household conversations yes. <laughs> because everything he's saying, I'm like, that just happened last week. This is what we're talking about. Well, I was like, like, you need to get out of here right now. Yeah. And no, I was just going to address that because I was very heated with our children. And I was like, Ryan comes in. He's like, I think you need to take a break. And I'm like, I think you need to take a break. Like, And I forget that we are on the same team. And so to hear you say, like, I'm trying to champion you. I'm not, it's not a competitive thing. It feels competitive in the moment to me. I'm like, no, I'm the better parent. I will stick this out and I will overcome like that is where I anchor myself which is not good um but to hear you know Josh saying this is what I'm trying to do it really helps me clarify in the midst of my crazy emotions that like okay Ryan is actually trying to help me here even though he says he's trying to help me I don't hear these words I don't see this happening in the moment but hearing it from uh, the outside perspective mm. emotions are calm I'm understanding yeah. how you're championing me yeah. you know as a husband um, I think just identifying that as not a, a competition and not as you're on the wrong side, like right. we're on the same team and you are trying to help me in this area. I want to, I, I want to talk, I, I'm going to ask a hard hitting question here. We, oh, are, we are, we are running out of time. Oh, so I'm gonna, okay, I think ready. I might have, this might be my last one, but <laughs> <laughs> so I love that, that passage in first John four says that, you know, perfect love drives out fear, mm-hmm. right? Well, there's a really important qualifying word there and that's this word perfect. Right. And he said, we, we, in the next verse, verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. 
right? So we have to experience the love of Christ, that perfect love of Christ that helps us to love each other more perfectly, right? To the best of our ability and by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit will work in us and let us do that. The problem is, and this is what I'm getting to, is a lot of married couples have experienced imperfect love to the point where they have that fear is is way more prevalent to them than to, to, to others. And, and here's some tangible examples. Somebody wrote in, two people, in fact, in the past, I think, 48 hours wrote in with a specific issue, and they both used the same verbiage. And I found that very interesting. They, they called it the pornography bomb. That their husband oh, dropped the pornography bomb in their marriage in the sense that they, find, they, they thought they were immune as a wife, that their husband wouldn't deal with it. He came out with it. And I think that's a good start, right, to come out with it or they caught him or something. And now they're dealing with this issue. Or an, another one wrote in. And again, guys, these are common things that people are writing in about. He said, uh, we've experienced infidelity or my, my wife says she loves me, but she's no longer in love with me. In other words, the, the abundance of imperfect love i'll use the love in quotations um there's an abundance of this kind of epidemic so in the name of becoming an emotionally safe place and and finding back your, your way back to an emotionally safe place in the midst of a trauma like that what what i mean <laughs> in in two sentences or less i'm kidding you can, you can spend more time on it than that <laughs> but what what do you tell the couple who is just experience this trauma, whether it's the pornography bomb and infidelity or um, a loss of love, how do they get back to a place of emotional uh, maturity and a place of safe love in those in those instances? And I realize this is all very nuanced and it requires a lot of one-on-one -on -one care, um, but- Maybe where's a good place to start? Where's a good start? place for those couples to start? Thank you. We see the exact same thing. And at the end of the day, I'm going to simplify this as, as much as I possibly mm. can. Christy- mm alluded to this earlier, and that is we all have self-medicators in life. Um, things that when we are overwhelmed, when we're anxious, when we feel overworked, when we're um, maybe burned out, uh, when, when it's, it's classic addiction, it's when we're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, and bored. There's these things that we turn to in life, uh, and the Bible calls them idols, to calm and soothe our pain. And a lot of these things have been there even before the marriage, the pornography just didn't come about because uh, this guy's wife is, he's not in love with his wife anymore. There, there were seeds that had germinated there for mm. a very long time yeah. in his yeah. thought life. Or um, I would argue that even um, prior to them even being married, this was probably an issue for him um, yeah. in most cases, or at least it was germinating there. And so it, it's not about the wife. It's about what he's using to self-medicate. And so we all have them to greater or lesser degrees. For, for the greater degrees, they become addictions. Um, for the lesser degrees, there's even socially acceptable idols in our culture, ones that we praise and celebrate, like workaholism. We, we, yeah. we praise certain um, self-medicators or idols in our culture today. Screen time, binge watching Netflix. I mean, let's talk about all those things. All these things emotionally disconnect us from our spouse. And so, um, and so I think the best place to really start is I love going and grounding in Hosea chapter three and, you know, God uses Hosea as an image of, of what it's like to be of Israel being in relationship with him, you know, Israel, the bride, um, and we, the bride today and, and God oh. being the bridegroom and Hosea was called to marry a prostitute. 
And she cheated on him over and over and over again to the point that by the time you pick it up in Hosea chapter three, she has three children and one of them is named not mine. The meaning of the name is not mine, um, <laughs> meaning not Hosea's. Mm. And so, but what he does is he, be- and I would encourage you to go look at that, that passage. He goes and he buys her back mm. and, and he buys her literally at an auction where she's put up for, for, for auction to buy back. And he goes back and he buys her. And not only does he buy her, he says to her, it's verse three, for a period of time, we will not basically have sex. We will not become intimate and you will be mine and I will be yours. In other words, I'm not going to hold this over your head. Instead, we're going to take time to heal we're mm. going to take time. We're going to go seek outside counsel. We're going to get connected to a church with people who will walk us through this. But I'm not going to hold this over your head. I'm not going to keep a record of wrongs. I'm going to forgive you. But I've also paid a price for, for this. I've paid an emotional price. Mm. I've paid a physical price because I bought you back. But yet I'm going to walk this journey with you. And I'm not going to treat you as if, again, you're mine. No, I'm yours too. We're a team and we're going to get through this together. Mm. And I think if you can begin to, I think that forgiveness piece is huge, but at the end of the day, this isn't about anything they do because that whole point of Hosea isn't that love conquers all. I, I love the way Tim Keller describes it. It's not that love conquers all. It's that God conquers all. And mm. so you go back to that perfect love. It's got to be anchored there. Yes. So good. That's that's so good, and that's that love that you talked about. It kind of it melts our facade. It it softens hardened hearts, right? And that's mm-hmm. what I think can bring life back into a marriage that feels mm-hmm. completely dead and completely cold. It's that love of saying, "I'm just gonna, just for a time. I'm not going to hold this over your head, but we are going to grow. You know, you're, you'll be mine, and I'll be yours." And man. I feel like we could talk to you guys for hours and hours and actually I'm going to set up a weekly appointment with you after this where we're just going to talk and listen to you guys talking. So we actually, we're, we're, we're out of time, but I, I want to give you a, some moments to talk through um, just kind of your heart for uh, what you're doing. I know you guys have a lot going on in terms of parenting ministry and marriage ministry. Uh, in fact, our daughters, because of you guys, we you gifted us some of the copies of your book, What Am I Feeling? Mm-hmm. It's an incredible book. We actually, I have a picture, Josh, I'll send this to you when we get off, but I have a picture. I got home from the gym last night. It was dark outside and they were sitting, the girls were sitting on the couch and I could see little arms holding up the feelings chart <laughs> oh, <laughs> like sweet. through the window Yeah, and they were, they were looking at the feelings chart. They were really intrigued with that chart. So our, our girls are two and a half and five and they, we read the story and it was so good. I was completely ministered to, of course. And, um, they were like, what does this mean? What's in, like, what does embarrassed mean? Like they hear it and mm-hmm. I think they sort of understand it, but they needed words for it. Mm-hmm. And I thought they would ask about guilty, but they weren't interested in that one as <laughs> <They> much. <should. laughs> <They> <laughs> were, so we'll just ignore that one. But yeah. <laughs> we're sinners. I know yeah, they're guilty. <laughs> but it's, and it's super simple and the faces, the illustrations are great because they, they could identify, you know, without reading mm-hmm. any of the words. And, um, it was really helpful. It was a really helpful tool. Yeah. So in, in other words, where can, where can folks go to find more of this goodness that, that you guys are putting out? Um, I know you guys have some blogs and websites and, and whatnot. Podcasts. So, so go ahead and give us the, the plugs. We want, we want them all. <laughs> <laughs> this is a self-promotional thing we like loathe, but um, we do, we have a podcast called in this together quite literally because 
we are in this together, are we not? I mean, look at you. And, like, <laughs> right. We, you know, it's like, did you hear inside our house? No, it's because we're all in this together, right. like mm -hmm. quite literally. And we're trying to raise a generation of kids who live, love, and lead well. And we're hoping to do the same thing in our marriage. So um, in this together podcast.com is the website for that. And awesome. we also have uh, what am I feeling book.com, uh, which explains about that particular book that they were just talking about mm -hmm. there. And uh, yeah, but we, uh, um, those are probably the two things we'd point you to. It gets awesome. <laughs> That's perfect. And I'll, and I'll, I'll hunt down all your URLs and put them in the show notes for this for anyone who's interested. Just find those uh, on iTunes or whatever app you're using to stream these. They should be there. Um, but yeah, Josh and Christy, thank you guys so much for, for spilling out some of your wisdom mm. for us to enjoy so and to good. learn from in this place. So we know that this will bless um, folks for um, listening to it and hopefully for, for months and years to come. Yeah. So. Well, thank you so much for having us and, and asking such amazing questions too, because it just, yeah, your questions just really get to the heart of it. So we really appreciate that. Well, you guys it are the people you. that it's like iron sharpens iron. We need, <laughs> yes. we just, we're so grateful for you and your ministry and, and all you're doing. Oh, it goes both ways. I know Josh, when we were in, when we were in Atlanta together, um, you, I think you and I spent probably a couple hours talking and just sharpening mm -hmm. each other in yeah. different ways. And so, man, yeah. I, I just think yeah. we do need a standing appointment. So for whatever that's worth. Just let <laughs> or we'll just move to Seattle or something. I don't Fine. know. Whatever. That's Great. the one. That's there the one. Is. Now you're being prophetic. So I, actually, I, actually, there we go. I actually think it rains more in Nashville than it does in Seattle. So See, you can handle it. All the more Plus reason. we have the water. So we have oh, way more water God. than Nashville. Lots does, so to same. explore. But anyways, we'll just dangle anyway. that carrot. All right, guys. Well, we hope you have a great day and uh, thank you again. Josh and Christy. See you guys later. Thank you guys. Friends, we hope you enjoyed this interview with Dr. Josh and Christy Straub. We learned a ton. I'm sure you did as well. The book that we discussed toward the end there is called What Am I Feeling? You can find that anywhere books are sold or go to whatamifeelingbook.com. We also, they have a blog available at joshuastraub.com where mostly they post podcast episodes. Their podcast is called In This Together and you can find that anywhere podcasts are being streamed. They also have an online parenting community that I know is uh, incredibly insightful and useful. It's 226parenting.com. Again, thank you for listening to the Fierce Marriage Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this special interview. As usual, we will have another interview in about two weeks, but every Tuesday, of course, we're going to have our regularly scheduled podcast content. So I hope you'll join us when that comes out. And until then, stay fierce.